Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 418. You know, there's always things happening, and with the cruise ships restarting now, it seems like there's just a ton happening. So this week, I wanted to hit the update button, if you will, and catch you all up on, I think, the top three most important things that are happening right now that are going to impact you if you've got a cruise coming up very soon. Here we go. As I said at the very beginning of this episode, things are changing a lot. That is a mantra, but it's also a reality. And I say that a lot, and I feel like even I am just like, the words just go over your head, like, okay, whatever. But the reality is things are changing a lot. And they're, you know, it's hard to obviously keep up with everything. Certainly, I try to do that over at royalcoreanblog.com. But here on the podcast, if you listen to only the podcast episodes, you're not going to get every single thing that's happening, especially things that happen on more of a daily basis. And I feel like where we are right now is a good opportunity to kind of take a step back and look at what I believe to be the three biggest changes that Royal Caribbean has announced over the last, let's say, couple weeks slash month or so. You know, they've been busy, obviously, getting their ships back into service. It's amazing to think about where we are today here in early August compared to where we were in early June, because we're basically too much back in June adventure of the seas was, or was about to uh, begin her first sailings. It was the first ship from North America. And now we've got a number of ships sailing and the test cruises are flowing and it really looks like the restart is happening uh, r- regularly. Now it's not a question. I think of if, or like, I don't think we're holding our breath anymore. I, I, I call me crazy and this may be me jinxing everybody, but I, I just don't feel like we've got that sense of like we'd had in June and July where we collectively were holding our breath in anticipation of what may or may not happen. Will the CDC allow test cruises to go? Will the test cruises be successful? Will something else be yanked out from underneath us and we'll have to restart all this? I feel like we're past that phase now. We're just basically in the Royal Caribbean getting up to back into business phase, right? There's still a lot of ambiguity. That's the other aspect of this. Again, there are so many changes that, you know, pre-COVID, if we were recording this podcast, I could talk in very general terms about how to plan a cruise. Nowadays, there's a lot of things that are just simply, it depends way more than it used to. There's Trust me, there were still answers that were always, it depends. But I feel like now, if you're asking me, you got a cruise coming up in later this month, in September, October, November, you know, what to expect. It's, it's kind of, all of it is just like a, you got to wait till you're much closer to your sailing to really get a good idea of what to expect. And even then, who knows? So, you know, we're, we're not out of the woods. We're not back to quote unquote normal, but we're past what I think is the initial phase of restart. And now we're in knee deep in the restart process. And there, are, uh, again, there, I, I've identified, I think three major things that have changed that you should be aware of if you haven't been keeping up with things or just simply, you know, you should be aware of it regardless if you have been keeping up with it, because there's been a lot. And I think number one, I'm going to start, I think this is going in reverse chronological order. I don't intend, this is not in order of importance or anything like that. I don't read anything into this. I just kind of thought in my head about which one. So keep that in mind. Uh, We're going to start with number one in my mind, and that is, of course, the new testing requirements. So basically, if you're vaccinated or not, you're going to have to get a test before your cruise. This is a change that came in because of the Delta variant. I think a lot of folks were really worried about the Delta variant, and and rightfully so. Not only, you know, in society, but also how does it relate to cruises? Are we going to see a shutdown again? All those kinds of things. I think that, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I think that there, the cruises are still going to be going forward with this. I, I don't think there's much of an appetite at all in any industry or sector for a shutdown like we saw in 2020. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more, you know, exercise caution both on the cruise line side and on the from the federal government. 
And you might see this also in other places where royal Caribbean sails as well. It's not just about the United States. Obviously, royal Caribbean's operating cruises from places like Greece and, you know, uh, the United Kingdom and Singapore and everything operates kind of in its own little, little way. And, you know, the, the, there are a lot of folks who brought up issues with the testing. Let me, before we get to that, let me just kind of quickly go over what you need to do. Basically, if you're going on a cruise in the United States, you're going to need to get a test, uh, up to three days before you're sailing and bring that negative result with you to the cruise terminal. So again, if your cruise is on a Saturday, then you have either Friday, Thursday, or Wednesday before to get a test, whether it's PCR or antigen, you have to get that test result, negative test result, obviously, bring it with you to the cruise terminal and, and you're good to go there. Originally, it was for five nights or more, and then they lowered it basically to every sailing that's sailing out of the U.S. They said three and four, but as I'm recording this podcast, I'm actually going on Royal Caribbean's Mariner this is for a two-night test cruise, and we need to get a test result as well. So it's basically every sailing. Now, the issue people have brought up, there's a couple of issues, I think. Number one, obviously, it's another thing to do, right? Logistically, it's an extra step to do. You've got to make an appointment, which... Right now is actually kind of difficult. I got to admit, I actually just got my test result done and took a little bit of scramble, a little bit of footwork. I had to drive about 30 minutes away to get mine. There were plenty of other pharmacies much closer to me, but none of them had appointments. So it, it's a logistical thing. Number two, it may or may not cost you money. Uh, luckily for where I went at CVS, that was in, there was no additional cost. The, the way that they have it set up with the government and insurance, it's all covered, but not every site is like that. And some people may, obviously everyone's insurance situation is different and you know, bottom line is there may or may not be a cost to it. And then number three, there's someone brought up, and I think it's an excellent point, is the fact that they're doing these tests requiring up to three days before the cruise. But of course, you know, your test result is only negative at the point where you got the test. As soon as you leave that facility and you go somewhere else, you know, you could have exposed yourself, right? So it's like, shouldn't they be doing it at the cruise terminal? That's an excellent point. I, I'm not here to, I, I would love for them to do that. Number one, to make it would solve the first issue about logistics and costs. And heck, I wouldn't even mind paying for it. It's just a matter of, you know, having it at the terminal, I think would make more sense. But I think logistically for Royal Caribbean, that's not in the cards now. I'm guessing at that. I could be wrong. And for all I know, they may end up doing it at the terminal later on. And I think some lines in Europe are doing it at the terminal, but it's a little bit different in Europe with their socialized medicine than it is here in the U.S. Always keep that in mind. But I, we're going too far into the weeds on this one. The bottom line is you need to get a test before your cruise. And this is true for vaccinated or unvaccinated folks. And it's going to be a rule that I think we're going to have at least for the, the short term. I, the, the This particular rule came out as a result of the Delta variant. You know, it's interesting. When I was at Perfect Day Coca-Cola on July 4th, I was sitting at the Cocoa Beach Club. I was there with a number of other uh, members of the media. And Royal Caribbean's uh, it, CEO, Michael Bailey, came by and he said hello and, you know, asked if we were having a good time. And he mentioned at that time from his mouth, I, I, he told us he was expecting the CDC to relax the mask rules so that people didn't have to wear masks, vaccinated people didn't have to wear masks on board a ship if it was a certain percentage. And he said that to us and he said basically, well, because of the July 4th weekend, they didn't announce it before then. And I'm pretty sure like the next day after that, the, the, the Delta variant stuff started getting a little bit higher. And, you know, unfortunately we were, we were that close to, you know, it, it be moving in the opposite direction. But instead, we ended up going in the direction of, you know, uh, more regressive in that case. Now, listen, here's the other thing to remember. Last year, when we were doing the shutdown, I think all of us would have agreed, listen, give us the opportunity to cruise even with regressive, you know, precautions and extra layers of, of prevention. Let's do everything we can. Like, just let us get back on a ship. So now fast forward to today. 
this is still better than the shutdown. You have to keep that in mind. I know that's not necessarily the, the fairest assessment and the way to look at it or the way we should be looking at it, but just remember, you know what they always say, it could always be worse. Well, it could always be worse. So anyway, that's the test results. That's something you should be aware of. So when you're planning your cruise, make sure you think about that, especially when are you going to get the test done? Are you going to do it before you leave home? Are you going to do it once you get to the, the if you're flying, of course, if you're, you know, the, the city you're going to be flying into, there, there's a lot of logistics involved. So just think about all that. Uh, number two, uh, is obviously Royal Caribbean's also restart plans. So we knew about the restart plans for the summer, but the rest of the fleet, like what about what's going to happen in the fall? And, you know, when is the rest of the fleet going to restart? Liberty, Explorer, Enchantment, you name it. There were plenty of people wondering that. And we finally have that answer. So Royal Caribbean announced the restart plans for 13 cruise ships that go into spring 2022. So on the one hand, number one, it's good. We finally have a restart plan. I, I was hoping we would have gotten this a lot earlier, but we have a restart plan. Number two, I'm a little surprised that the restart will extend as far as it does. The last three ships do not restart until April 22, April 22, and then May 2022. And the last one, Rhapsody of the Seas, doesn't restart until May 23rd, 2022. That's kind of far from now. I'm pretty sure I uh, Carnival Cruise Line had mentioned they expect their whole fleet. Carnival Cruise Line, not the Carnival Corporation, but the Carnival Cruise Line was going to restart by the end of the year. Again, all these restart plans are subject to change. I think everybody recognizes that. But it is interesting that there, there are some gaps in the calendar. And again, I understand Royal Caribbean wants to go about this slow and steady. But as an example, Oasis restarts September 5th, which is great. And then you don't have anything until you have Liberty October 3rd, Serenade October 16th, and then Explore November 7th. I mean, there's significant gaps there. But we have to remember starting up cruise ships from in, in you know in the state they are right now is not a snap of the fingers. Number one, you have to get staff on board. Number two, you have to provision the ship. These are not. This sounds like oh, that's all you have to do. Well, that that's a lot of stuff you have to do in addition to you know getting approval from the CDC and a variety of other factors. It's just you you can't snap your fingers and restart thirteen ships. I totally get that. Do I think it could have been a little more aggressive, or would have, or rather, would I have liked to have seen it be a little more aggressive? Sure, absolutely. But I think that they're hitting. Some, you know, the, the important stuff there, you know, Navigator, this is an example, is going to restart in November out of Los Angeles. I think that was a schedule anyway, so I don't think that really matters all that much. But, you know, and, and Grandeur was always going to be selling out of Barbados in December. So, you know, you knock two of these ships out as basically this were going to happen anyway. And associated with that is Royal Caribbean canceled a bunch of other sailings, obviously, to match the restart. So if, you know, Brilliance doesn't restart, restart till December 16th. Well, obviously, all the sailings that were on the books between September and December need to be canceled, right? And they and they obviously did that. And I think there were a lot of people who were upset about that, which, listen, trust me, I've had a number of cruises, a lot of cruises canceled. It never gets any easier when they cancel a cruise on you, whether you see it coming or not. It stinks, if I can borrow a line from the critic. And from from that standpoint, you know, I, I, I commiserate with these folks. But my hope, and I'm not sure that I would be willing to put money on this, my hope is that this is the last set of cancellations, mass cancellations, right? Could something slip? Yeah, I think you should expect that. You know, if you're booked on one of the first sailings back, it's not 100% guarantee that you're going to go on it, but this is Royal Caribbean's plan for better or worse, and things may change. But uh, my hope is that we're finally past this, like, okay, we're canceling all the cruises, you know, from this state to this state kind of thing. I, I'm hoping we're well, well, well past that point because... You know, I think we're all sick of that, quite frankly. And, you know, it, it appears that there's momentum on the side of, for the cruise lines to keep moving. So let's hope all that is true and, and we'll keep an eye on that. I think the other thing, by the way, is if you're interested in being on one of the ships to come back on their first sailings, like 
if you're thinking, ooh, you know, brilliance of the season December or ooh, liberty of the season October, book it now. It may already be sold out. I'm not sure, but do not wait. I made the mistake of waiting with some of these summer restarts because at the time I, I wasn't sure I was really going to believe that they were actually going to sell. But I think that it, as long as you're okay with, again, the worst case scenario, you having your money refunded because Royal Caribbean cancels your cruise or the cruise of the confidence program and getting your FCC, which doesn't bother me at all. You know, if you have a little flexibility there, it might not be a bad idea to book it as early as you can because not only will the initial sailings be more obviously popular, but on top of that, you're going to have limited capacity. Like there, if we've learned something from these summer sailings is that when the ships restart, there's very few cabins and they sell out very quickly. And Royal Caribbean said during its earnings call uh, last week that when they restart each ship, they will restart at a very low capacity and then build from there. So it's not because, you know, if Freedom of the Seas is selling at 70% capacity because she restarted in July and then, you know, you've got uh, Enchantment of the Seas restarting in December, she has, Enchantment will start at 70%. She'll start back at, you know, whatever the number is, 40, 50%, uh, and, and then go from there. So there's going to be limited capacity even for these early things. So if you're interested in doing these or you're thinking about it, now is the time you want to book it to make sure that you lock in your opportunity. So just some some food for thought there if that's of interest to you. And of course you could always change your mind before final payment date, but I think it's a the you know I think it's great that we have this restart plan. Um you know how accurate this will be, time will tell. Well, it remains to be seen. So far Royal Caribbean's been pretty good about their summer restart schedule, you know, whether it has been the ships in Alaska, the ships sailing from Florida, they've been on schedule. Based there has not been a terrible amount. Of, the only change I can recall was Odyssey of the Seas, which was restarted initially in July, early July, and she got pushed back to late July because of a COVID incident on board. But um, I think we're knock on wood. I think we're past that point, and and it's good to have that, obviously. So from a planning purpose, I think we finally have a rubric, kind of a outline of what to expect, because I think I think that's important. And the last thing I wanted to talk about was something I think is near and dear to many people's hearts. That's the uh, some of the changes Royal Caribbean made to its customer loyalty program. So uh, with the restart of cruises, Royal Caribbean has made some changes to the Crown and Anchor Society benefits. This is Royal Caribbean's customer loyalty program. And some of these changes are permanent, some are temporary, and some are uh, in, in, a, in a tier of or discontinued. That's the word it is. So. Some permanent changes that they've made. I think number one, the big one everyone's talking about, and by everyone, I really mean the Diamond members and above, is the changes to the uh, drink package, the drink vouchers, rather, not the drink package vouchers, but your uh, being a Diamond Diamond Plus or Pinnacle member. Pre-COVID, you always got drinks, but they were a limited menu. They were only in the evening. Royal Caribbean, because I think, well, they say primarily because of social distancing. They don't want everybody in the Diamond Lounge anymore. So they're offering basically everybody a, a pseudo drink package, a poor man's drink package, if you will, where you basically get four, five, or six drinks per day that are vouchers for any drink up to $13 per drink or 14 on ships from the UK. And it's like a drink package. If you're Diamond, you get four beverage vouchers that are valid all day at any bar except for Starbucks. That includes alcoholic and non-alcoholic options. It's basically, if you have the drink package, it's the same rules. You just go up to somebody and let them know you can use it. I love this this change because number one, I always thought the drink, the diamond drink menu before was so limited. It, it specified the type of liquor, like the brand of liquor you could use and whatnot. And I just, I never loved it. I just drank there because it was complimentary, but it was like, in the end, I ended up going back to the drink package because I just like the variety it offered. Not to mention the fact that, you know, the, the diamond drinks were only available at night. Um, you know, and that was very limiting in the daytime. Anyway, so now fast forward, 
these drink, uh, the drink vouchers are available throughout the day. It's a very compelling choice. I think when I go, I have a cruise booked on Mariner of the Seas later this month. It's a four-nighter. I think I'm going to forego the drink package and go with my diamond drinks, which are going to be five because I'm diamond plus. I'll get five drinks a day. You know, even if I order five drinks a day and still order, let's say, three or four drinks on top of that, I'm still coming out ahead of the drink package price. So, you know, there's some food for thought there. I'm not sure if I'm necessarily completely sold on it. I really like the drink package primarily because I just don't have to even think about it. The, the I, initially when I first, the drink package came out, I, I thought that was a really lame excuse, but truthfully, I really don't, I, I really enjoy not thinking about it. Like it's just so much easier peace of mind not to have to do that. So, um, that's really interesting. Something else that I love that Royal Caribbean is doing is they're changing the, uh, for, for kids, uh, they're getting a Wi-Fi discount. And uh, both, by the way, both the 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 beverage voucher um, change and the Wi-Fi discount for kids are both permanent changes. Oh, one other thing I should mention about the di- the diamond—I have to go back. I forgot the probably the other big elephant in the room there, and that is you're not getting unlimited drinks at the Diamond Lounge anymore. You know, the, basically before this, if you go to the Diamond Lounge from four to eight or whatever it was, the happy hour times, you go there and you could have unlimited drinks. It didn't count against your diamond drinks. Now it does, and obviously the Royal Caribbean does not want this lounge to be. Um, you know, full of people. They, they need social distancing involved. And here's what I would say. All the, any proponent of the Diamond Lounge, people who love the Diamond Lounge would tell you that it's all about the social aspect, being able to be in there and talking to other guests. So the fact that there were limited drinks there, according to those people, the argument was never about that. It was about the social aspect, having a dedicated lounge. So that's still there. And I think the, the flexibility you get with the new drink vouchers far exceed the uh, the drawback, if you will, that you can't get unlimited drinks in the Diamond Lounge anymore in the evening. Granted, full disclosure, I was never a Diamond Lounge kind of guy. I just when even before I got the drink package, we would get our drinks elsewhere uh, with the with the three drinks a night you could get. And when then I started getting the drink package, and I never looked back at the Diamond Lounge because it was nice, but it just wasn't my scene. So uh, some other changes that Royal Caribbean has made. Uh, that that you should be aware of for the the um, Crown and Anchor Society. Uh, number one, the entertainment behind the scenes tour that was for Platinum and Above event. Now it's an up close and personal with our entertainment family. Royal did say they're changing. I saw this on Adventure. It was kind of lame, honestly. It was half video, half just like Q and A, and the Q and A was not very inspired. But they said they were going to change it up. So we'll see how that goes. I'll have to report back on a future sailing. Uh, number two, for the instead of priority seating for shows at the theater, Ice Show and Aqua Theater. Basically, Royal Caribbean is not going to get flexibility to choose the best seat 45 minutes prior to doors opening. So they're not going to have reserved areas. It's just basically you're able to get in there first, which is not a bad change. I like that quite a bit. You know, the other thing uh, Royal Caribbean says is the happy hour, the varying times per ship. Now it's 5 to 8 p.m. in the Diamond Lounge fleet wide. I'm not sure that really matters anymore. Because, uh, basically, it's the hors d'oeuvres because obviously we just talked about the drink change. And then uh, lastly, the loyalty status match will be simplified and more visible um, I'm not really not sure what that means, but <laughs> something about your loyalty match between car- between um, not Carnival. Oh my gosh, definitely not celebrity uh, is going to be a little bit better there. So we'll have to see on that. And uh, basically for tier, oh here it is. I'm, I should probably, I should scroll down on my notes. Uh, basically for Royal Caribbean, if you're platinum or emerald, you can qualify for celebrity select cl- in the captain's club. And if you're diamond, diamond plus or pinnacle, you move over to elite um, in the captain's club and vice versa. So there you go, easy peasy, right? 
Now, there are three discontinued benefits. Actually, one got undiscontinued, but uh, the crystal blocks were discontinued, but they're back. Don't worry, you're still getting a crystal block. The major change here is now, instead of getting your, you have the choice if you actually want to take it, because Royal Green was saying up to 60% of guests were leaving the crystal blocks in their room or in the trash or whatever, because they, for whatever reason, they don't want it, too heavy, too cumbersome to bring home, don't have room for it, whatever. Anyway, crystal blocks are now uh, an option kind of similar when you get to Diamond Plus, you get your reward, you know, a bottle of wine or whatever. You can you can go in there and tell them what your preference is. Um, they've also done the reduced rate upgrades and tuxedo rentals are now gone. I, I, I think a lot of people are like, wait a minute, their tuxedo rental program is still there. But, you know, kind of interesting. So anyway, all in all, I don't hate the changes. Uh, I, I think the drink, I personally like the beverage voucher change the most. It's not ideal. I mean, I, yeah, it's not unlimited. And and there were some people definitely took advantage of the fact that it was unlimited. Uh, I'm friends with some of them. Uh, I was that guy on a couple of occasions. It, it has its benefit. I'm not going to disagree with that. But the flexibility it offers to me is a valid trade-off. I'm willing to make that trade. I think overall, it's still a better value than it was before. Because I think the idea, like so many, other, like so many things in life, the word unlimited sounds great. I just don't think you actually ever use it all that much. It's like you go to an unlimited buffet and you think, oh, man, I'm going to bring my stretchy pants, right? You go up there a couple times. You might get a little more food than you might have gotten, you know, at a regular restaurant. But you don't go – you never eat nearly as much as you think you do. And I feel like with the drinks as well, it's just like it's nice to have that in the back of your mind. But if that's truly important to you, you sh I mean, the drink package is still there. And I'll still buy the drink package, I'm sure, going forward. It just depends on the scenario and the itinerary and whatnot. So some – Big changes that Roller Green has made over the last, you know, I don't know, however you want to call it, a couple of weeks, months. Um, these are important things to do. There'll be more of this. So I'm hoping that we'll have an opportunity in upcoming episodes to talk about some of these changes because I know that many of you are equally uh, concerned or just want to know what is happening about with, with all those things. So we'll try to do this uh, periodically as we move towards, you know, a, nor a sense of normalcy as it relates to cruises. So. Hopefully that makes sense to you and uh, hopefully this was helpful as well. Alrighty, time to answer some listener emails. This is the part of the Real Grammy Blog Podcast where I dive into the email inbox we have and answer your questions. Our first email today comes to us from Scott who writes, Hi Matt, glad to see cruising starting again. As always, thank you for being the one constant positive throughout all of this. You kept us all focused on the future cruises to come. But that said, figured I'd give you a passport update. If you look at the state gov the State Department travel website, the processing time for 12 weeks is no joke or exaggeration for U.S. passports. We got slammed. Everyone apparently waited one full year from March 2020 and then applied at the same time and thereafter. Of course, they also want tr to travel next week. Some tips if you want to share with everybody, although I know uh, you've gone over the importance of passports before. Number one, don't wait. If you think someone will need a passport anytime this year, apply now. Number two, several countries require up to six months validity remaining on their passport from the projected departure date from their country, not from the entry into their country. To be safe, except for cruising from the U.S. or crossing the Canadian-Mexico border, replace a current passport before you only have six months on the expiration on it. Number three, photo, photo, photo. I would say the number one reason passport applications get suspended is for the photo. The requirements are very specific and very strict. Less than six months old, no eyeglasses, solid white background, clearly see the eyes, no shadows, etc., etc. Number four, use the correct form and be complete. Don't leave something off because, quote, we should have it already, end quote. 
Also, make a copy of the application to keep with you until you receive your passport so you know exactly what was on the application you submitted. And for heaven's sake, don't forget to sign the passport application. DS-11s must be signed at the acceptance facility in the presence of the acceptance agent. DS-82s and DS-5404s, if eligible to use them, can be signed and then mailed in. It is important to note that the acceptance agents and at the acceptance facilities are not, repeat, not State Department employees. Although they are trained by the State Department to accept applications, they cannot be expected to know everything, so please don't expect them to. Number five, don't say the 877 number is useless, but the 877 number for the National Passport Information Center is useless right now. As you can see from the several posts on the web, several complaints involve being stuck on hold for hours, and then when they finally get connected to a human, they get cut off. If they do get through, be prepared for with a reference number. If you have one or personal data about the applicant, you or your minor children, and ask for a callback. The 877 location is a call center. Ask for the passport agency center uh, that has your application to give you a callback. They are the ones that can help you. And lastly, here is the really important one. If you if your travel is about 10 days out, you shouldn't be booking a travel without a valid passport first if you can help it. And you still don't have your passport and there's no update on the state government website and you can't get through on the 877 number, go through your congressional office, like your representative or senator, they can get in touch with us fairly quickly. If they live near a walk-in passport agency, they can also try to schedule an appointment there, but depending on which one they live near, they are overwhelmed too, and appointments are hard to come by. That's about as much as I can think off the top of my head. Bottom line is, don't wait. And uh, yeah, that was really helpful news from Scott. Uh, I don't want to out Scott here, but I think he uh, has a bit of a connection here. So anyway, it doesn't matter. This is really good information. Uh, I agree with everything that Scott said there. Luckily, we got our kids' passports processed before the major rush. It was in the spring. We were like, well, we got to get it done. You know, we were, it's, I think one of my daughters was coming up quickly. We got both of them processed. Luckily, we beat the major issue there. But the bottom line is number one, yes, you should have a passport when you cruise. No matter what, I don't care. It costs extra. It takes extra time. Do it. It's like cleaning your room. No one wants to do it, but you got to do it at some point, right? This is true for passports. Make sure you get it done. Even though you might not need it technically, get a passport. And number two, don't wait. I think that's the most important thing that Scott's talking about here is that if your renewal is coming up because of the processing time required, you should anticipate a long delay and get it done. Now, I'll be perfectly honest with you. You know, Scott sent this email in June, in uh, July, rather, uh, early July, so about a month ago. And back then, it was it could have been a very different scenario. You know, you know when, it, when it comes to news reports like this, a lot of times they always report when it's the worst. And then when things improve, they just drop the ball. They never give you good news, right? They're only going to give you the bad news. So for all I know, it could be a lot better than what we're talking about here. But trust me, there's ebbs and lulls and flows and peaks and valleys <laughs> to all of this stuff. So yeah, uh, Scott, this was fantastic. Thank you so much uh, for that. Next up, we have an email from Casey who writes, this is Casey from Maryland, a longtime podcast listener and Royal Caribbean Blog Insider. Thank you, Casey. My husband and I are finishing up our back-to-back -back cruise on Freedom of the Seas, and we have a few tips for people traveling soon. Wow, this is evidently the tips edition of the uh, of the email inbox listener questions, which I love. All right, so here are Casey's three tips. Number one, COVID testing for back-to-back -back cruising. On the last day of the first cruise, we had to have a COVID test in the morning. All back-to-back -back passengers have to be tested even if you were vaccinated. This wasn't a huge problem, but the test had to be completed by 7.30 on the last morning, and I was hoping to sleep in. It was the no-swab test. Once this was complete, we were free to enjoy the morning and then had to report back to the lounge by 9.30 to go through customs and get our new CPAS cards. Overall, it was easy, but I didn't know that we would have to get tested. Number two, the cruise app. The cruise compass on Royal Caribbean's app was sometimes slow to add new activities. We saw an item on the paper copy of the cruise planner, but it was never listed in the app. So be sure to check both so you don't miss any activities. Also, 
The show's all say reservations required, but you can just show up and they'll accommodate you. And number three, USB port on the phone. While on our cruise, I read your blog post about the stateroom. You mentioned that you were in a brand new room and you had a USB port in the room phone by the bed. When I got back to my room, I checked my room phone and found a USB port as well. We were in a standard balcony on deck eight. So they must've had added the new phones uh, to all the rooms in the refurbishment. The room did not have many outlets. So this was a great find. Overall, we had a fantastic time on the cruise and looking forward to our next time. Casey, thank you so much for that. Uh, great email. And the, uh, I'm going to go right to that phone tip. Uh, if you have it, if you're not, it's not on every ship, but look at your stateroom phone, which is usually by the bed on either side of it, left or right side, there is just a USB port over there and it does charge. And it's amazing because the one thing obviously with Royal Caribbean, you don't get a lot of ports at all. And there are very few ships that have any kind of electricity ports near the bed. And if you're anything like me, you like being able to, you know, when you're getting ready for bed, lay down in bed, turn the lights off, but you know, you have your phone on, you want to check out, you know, the news or Facebook one more time and, you know, have your phone plugged in while you're on. It's nice to have that, especially um, when you want to charge overnight and in the morning, you know, you just want to be, you know, if the alarm is over on the other side of the bed or on the other side of the room, you got to get up and get it. Ugh, ugh. Ain't nobody got time for that. So great tips there, Casey. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sending that in. I should say and for joining us virtually. Next email is from Jeff Pete, Pete, got Pete, Oh man, I'm going to mispronounce this name, Jeff. Petania, Petania. I'm going to assume the G is silent. Petania from Culpeper, Virginia. Hey, Matt, cruising is back. Great hearing from you on the podcast. Talk about the recent cruises on Freedom and Adventure of the Seas. Love me some Freedom of the Seas even before she got updated. Here are my questions. With face masks still required on parts of the ship or excursions, do you recommend bringing your own mask or does Rokerman supply them to guests as needed? Seems like one mask for a week-long ship may not be enough. What do you think? I would definitely bring your own mask. I, uh, I'm i a big proponent of bringing them. Rokerman does provide a couple in your room, but I don't know. Like They provided basically, we had, I think, two or three in the room, Jeff. Uh, for a two or three night cruise, that's probably fine. I've generally found that with disposable masks, they last, you know, a day is, is sufficient, assuming they don't get wet or dirty or anything like that. Uh, but I would definitely, I always plan, I bring my own, Jeff. I can't assume that's a policy, nor can I assume that they will provide you any more. So no, don't assume they'll provide you with anything. Bring your own mask. And if you're bringing, you said mentioning one mask for a week-long trip, just to be safe, and this is erring on the side of, of very, very, you know, cautiously, right? I would say one mask a day, whether it's disposable or cloth. Uh, you could, of course, you know, if it's a cloth mask, Je cloth mask, Jeff, you could obviously wash them in the room if you wanted to do that every day. Sure, then that would be fine. But I bring a disposable mask with me and I wear one a day. Again, assuming it doesn't get wet. If I go on an excursion, it might be a little different, but that's the, my basic plan. Jeff also writes, we're selling on Oasis class on th on three of our four cruises starting in September and staying in Junior Suites. We're excited to try this. Is Coastal Kitchen still available for Junior Suite guests for dinner or has that been discontinued due to the recent Crown and Anchor COVID changes? No, that's still available. They changed it for Pinnacle members, but you still have that benefit for you. And what are my thoughts on Hooked and 150 Central Park? So um, I ate at 150 Central Park on Allure of the Seas when I was on her test cruise the other week. Loved it. Fantastic. Holds up really well. The fried cheesecake thing is amazing. Really, really good. Hooked. I don't hate hooked. I got to be full disclosure. I don't eat shellfish. And like 80% of the menu at least is shellfish. So, you know, the, the messy fish sandwich is fantastic. I like that quite a bit. But you've got to be really a shellfish kind of guy. If you are, I've heard very, very good things about it. Thank you, Jeff, for the email. I do appreciate that. And our last question today comes to us from Zach Counter, who writes, Hey, Matt, this is Zach from Fort Collins, Colorado. Love the podcast. Always listen when I'm at the gym or I have a slow day at work. My family was taking a seven-night Caribbean cruise in January, actually from the first to the seventh of the month. I'll be doing 20. I will be 20, <laughs> not 20. 
I will be 20 years old during the cruise and turning 21 at the end of February. I know this is a long shot, but I had a couple of questions about drinking on the ship, although I know I can drink while in ports. As the ships are registered in Nassau, usually I want to know if they're legal drinking age 18 might apply on the ship, or is the leeway around the age I'll be 21? Yeah, no, no. It doesn't matter where the ships are registered. Royal Caribbean, you're sailing from the U.S. You're, you're going to be, it's 21 to, to, to drink on the ship. Um, any insight you can provide would be really appreciated. Keep making the podcast and blog. Both bring such valuable knowledge to those, such as my family, who want to get back into cruising as soon as possible. Yeah, Zach, you're going to have to uh, relegate yourself to drinking while you're in port because uh, regardless of where the ships are registered, that's irrelevant. It doesn't apply to the drinking laws. Ships sail from the U.S. or anywhere in North America, I'm pretty sure. It's 18, I think. I'm oh, sorry, 21, 21, 21, Zach. Sorry, sorry to give you a false, a false hope there. 21, I think in maybe in Europe, it might be 18. There, I'd have to look at the rules. But for you, my friend, it's going to be 21. So not to worry, you'll get there. But uh, I, I know it's, it's, trust me, I remember being 20. I'm like, wow, so close yet so far. But do your damage in port, as they say, or, or be responsible in port you, I, is really what they should say. And uh, you can have a couple of drinks while you're over there and enjoy that. And don't forget, you know, and if, if the opportunity arises and you can do what you want on your own, you can always, you know, hang out in the port area. There's usually a lot of great bars right there. And then that allows you to get back on the ship very, very quickly. Thank you to everybody for sending in their emails this week. If you want to send me your email, you can always do so by sending it to Matt at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Love the tips, love the advice, love the questions as well. So happy to answer and talk about any and all of those. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.